Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. Hello and thank you for downloading episode 89 of the podcast and a special welcome to you if you are a Daily Fiber premium subscriber. One of the perks of being a subscriber to the premium edition of the Daily Fiber is that you have access to an exclusive members-only live stream of this. So if you're listening to us live, a special welcome to you and a thank you for subscribing and making the Daily Fiber premium viable. Well, the wait is over. We now have heard the keynote at WWDC at the McHenry Convention Center in San Jose, California. And the testing begins. The brave and the bold will be downloading iOS 12 Beta 1 if they have a developer account. It's going to take a little bit longer to get to the public beta phase. And there are other things to talk about too, of course. And we will be going through all of these with our guests. Let me introduce them. First of all, on my right here is the incredible Heidi Taylor, the artist formerly known as Heidi Mosen. Hello. But then you had to go and get married and complicate my life and, you know, just I, yeah, all that kind of stuff. I'm, so. I'm sorry that I'm happy. Well, well, well I suppose that's the main thing. <laughs> well, uh, Heidi's here with all the visuals and uh, talking also as a as user of iOS and a former user of the Mac. We may get to that as well. Yes. Um, speaking of the Mac, Janet Ingber joins me. Welcome to you, Janet. Hi, thank you for having me. And of course, Janet's well known for her articles in Access World and also her books on the Mac and get, getting started with that. And also someone I've known for a long time who's a, uh, a very insightful commentator on all matters technology is Debbie Armstrong. You're in Cal- Apple's home state, aren't you, in California, Debbie? Uh, yeah, I'm actually a mile from the Apple campus. Oh, we'd better talk quietly then. Yeah, especially if we don't have, you know, if we have some 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 negative things to say. <laughs> Can I start with just a broad overview of this? And um, I'll start with you, I think, Heidi. Uh, your overall impression, sort of now that, now that it's over and we're in the studio thinking about it, what's the overall impression that you're left with of this keynote? I think there were a few really good gems in there, like the additions to Siri, and I kind of liked the um, walkie-talkies on the watch. But there was also a lot of, random stuff in there like all about the emojis and stuff which just seem a little bit frivolous to me and stuff but i don't know i feel a bit mixed really how about you db how's your overall impression of it i really got the feeling they were trying to play catch up i think that's good because i think when they did play catch up some of the features that may have been less accessible on other platforms are going to be more accessible to us on ios and mac os but also, I think they're really stretching to find new material. Janet? Um, if I were cited, I would be very interested. Um, my As they were going over all these different things, I kept thinking, you know, which things are going to be accessible? Okay, we've got a drag and drop, if I, if I heard it correctly, on Siri shortcuts. And there was all this talk about AR kit, which we can't really use, and... and and a whole bunch of stuff. What I did like was the um, Siri Siri shortcuts is great if it can work, and, and um, having multiple people on a FaceTime call is great. And my favorite Apple Watch thing is that it will recognize when you are doing a workout and you get credit for it. I can't tell you how many times I have started a workout or almost finished a workout and then realized I forgot to um, to activate the workout app. Oh, but um, holy soup. Overall, Oh, overall, you know, uh, I, I'm not 
overly impressed. All right. Well, I think I'm going to be different from all of you. I thought it was a great WWDC. I thought it was one of the best ones in a while. And I think the reason why I feel that way is that I feel like they are being proportionate. I feel like what they are offering in iOS 12 especially, which is the one I most care about, is there are some meaty changes, but they're incremental. And that gives me hope that we're actually going to have a stable release in September. And um, But one thing that did strike me, and I was really struck by this given that I also watched the Google I.O. presentation live and I watched the Microsoft one live. Both of them made a big fuss of accessibility. And how many words did we hear at this keynote about accessibility? Not a single yeah. one. Mm. Nothing. Yeah, I thought that was pretty telling. Um, to give Apple some credit, so often when we start these WWDCs, I'm down with the cool kids like voiceover, the WWDC, yeah. um, you get this video that has no narration and it's just this groovy music and then you wait for a couple of minutes and you get a big round of applause at the end and you have no clue what they're on about. So while it was a bit of a way out there video that started it off, at least it was accessible. <laughs> Well, and I was actually listening to the um, WWDC with Leo Laporte, you know, his Twitter broadcast, because if he sees a lot of people on the audio stream, he will tend to describe what's going on, because he knows there are a lot of people at work who are kind of doing this under the radar. And so many sighted people are going to just listen to the audio as well. And I find that really helpful because he will pop in a few descriptive words about what's going on. Yeah. I didn't get description when I was listening to it, to the, the beginning video. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that that was quite quite far out. That beginning video. <laughs> What's this nature video? Is what I was asking myself at first. Yes. Yes. Nature video of developers hibernate mm -hmm. for eight after uh, eleven and a half months every year. Yeah. <laughs> I like kind of like a documentary, nature documentary. Spoke to me. Look, so they went right into iOS, which was really good. And one of the things that struck me was that all of the devices that currently run iOS eleven, so that takes us all the way back to the five S, mm -hmm. are going to be running this version. And they are claiming they're spending a lot of time on optimizing the code because I think that Apple got quite badly hit with the battery scandal. And that was one reason why the phone was slowing down. And so then there was this narrative that developed that said, oh, Apple's into planned obsolescence. So I guess now they're trying to break that narrative by not only extending the devices all the way back to 2013, which is very impressive to, to get the latest update. But also they're saying, well, we've, we've sped them up, actually. It's going to be faster than the one you've got now. Yeah, I've got the slide here. Up to 40% faster app launching, up to 50% faster keyboard display, and up to 70% faster camera opening. Good stuff? Good stuff. Definitely. Yeah, okay. We then talked about, let me just scroll through my notes here, augmented reality. What do you think, um, Janet and Debbie, either of you can take this, the implications are for augmented reality in a blindness context, if any? Well, I wondered how accessible this was going to be to low vision people, because I do work with a lot of low vision people. And uh, I, I wondered, could you magnify any of this stuff? I mean, what would happen? Would it fall apart if it was being magnified? Yeah, I had the same thought uh, that if somebody is low vision, can can they use this? Because there are a lot of people that, that are in our community that are low vision. And um, I, I thought just especially the the lego the way they were they were having it sound and everything it it just sounded like so much fun if i could see i would play with it 
Oh my God, it was amazing. Right, so to give you a bit of background, Heidi is a uh, former New Zealand national robotics champion yes, uh, who has competed internationally and she's also done a lot of work with robotics uh, in her work as an electrical engineering student. Yes. So um, give us the rundown on the implications of what you saw there, Heidi. Okay, so I guess, well, the basic view of how they're using AR is you have your camera operating and you view the scene immediately in front of your camera. Now, in the implication of the Lego game, which was really interesting, you would open their particular Lego AR app. It would scan the Lego set you had built in front of you and it would build a world around it that related to that set. So the particular example we had was some sort of like central city square and it had a bakery and it had a dance studio. And so it put in all the road pieces and relevant buildings nearby and things like that. So I guess in that case, it's an expansion of a world. Mm. Um, That's phenomenal AI. Yes, yeah. it makes me yeah. think when my grandchildren come along, I mean, I'm not in any particular hurry for them, Heidi, but when, when they come along, imagine the toys that kids are going to be playing with with this sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the one that did strike me as potentially of interest to us is this Measure app, which, which has to do with augmented reality. For those who didn't see the keynote, there was a, there's a new app. It is in, it built into iOS 12, I think, is it? Yes. With the Measure app. Yes. Um, presumably that will be a benefit to us, right? Um, Is, was she... just, Go ahead. Sorry. What I saw was that you actually have to tap on the point to point of what you want to measure, so that may not be as accessible as you'd like. So, like, the object was in front of him. It was a suitcase. He tapped on one corner of the suitcase, dragged his finger to the other corner of the suitcase, and then it measured it. So I don't know how accessible that's going to be. Right. That'll be fun to try in the development then because it may be that Apple has a sort of like an object detected and you can trace your finger around the frame and learn when you're at the top of top edge of an object or something like that. That's possible. It's another thing I'm afraid might fall apart with magnification. Right. Okay. Right. So we'll, we'll we'll have to test, obviously, and give feedback. Um, there is a new file format that Apple developed in conjunction with Pixar on this called USDZ or Z. And what does it stand for? Universal uh, scene. scene Descriptor. Is it description? Something like that. I have, yeah. I can't and then the Z just anymore. stands for Z. Yeah, it's just Z. <laughs> <laughs> to make it sound cool, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or probably not to sound like the currency. Right. Oh, good point. All right. Then there is the Photos app, which um, we're probably a little bit more familiar with. And that's pretty powerful as it is. You know, you can ask Siri to search for pictures of dogs and different things like that, and and they will come up if they're in your photos. Um, Now it's indexing a lot more data about the photos that you're taking. And so you should be able to say to Siri or search for photos that you took at the Paul McCartney concert or uh, that you took at a particular business when you were visiting a particular business or that are in a particular category. So that can be very helpful potentially for voiceover and magnification users as well, I think, because sometimes finding that photo you took can be a bit of a chore. I was just going to say that, so that, that, you know, okay, you're flicking around, I I went this date, now I got to go find that date. or, Or so I, and I think the fact that they're expanding the search is great. You're a big user of the camera app, Debbie? 
Uh, not really, but I'm always loaning my phone to friends who want to take pictures of something, and then my phone is all clogged up with pictures. So I know that you, the GPS location for me already is really valuable for sorting through which pictures go to which friend. Right. So there's a new For You tab, and what I like about what Apple has done in the last couple of years is that there is a consistency about the apps that they're developing, where quite often you do have this You Focus tab and then you browse on to other things. And as part of that For You tab, there is the sharing feature now, and that sounds absolutely amazing. So when you've taken a photo and Siri can identify who the person is in the photo, you automatically are prompted to share it with that person. Plus, if they also took photos of the same event, they're prompted to share their photos with you. So you all end up with a set of photos. And I, I think of things like Heidi's wedding, for example, earlier yeah. in the year. It was actually yeah. Heidi's husband's wedding at the same day, which was a huge oh, coincidence. Oh, what a coincidence. Yes, yes. And I mean, if we could use the sharing feature to all gather together the photos that everybody took during that day, it's a wonderful feature. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm in on it. <laughs> all right. So let's talk Siri. I think there's a lot of interest. In, have let me let me ask you all this. I'll start with you, Debbie. Has Apple done enough to change this narrative that really has gotten itself established over the last couple of years? That said, Siri is just hopelessly way behind. Uh, does that change now? I don't know. Um, on the positive side, the shortcuts, if people actually take the time to set them up, might be great. But think about all the things you want to say to Siri that don't work, like show contact info for Jonathan Mosen. No, I don't want directions to his house. I don't want to call him. I just want to see his contact info. And you can't really do that. Um, my favorite, can I, just as an aside, my favorite Siri story, I was on paratransit one day and I said, call my husband at home. And Siri said, which husband? <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen before. <laughs> if there was there was just accidentally two copies of his contact record, but every I everybody was laughing so hard. And this is exactly what I mean about Siri. Sometimes she just doesn't seem to get it. <laughs> what about you, Janet? How do you feel about Siri after today's announcements? I sort of feel the same way. I hope setting shortcuts up is accessible that you, you don't have to do too many things and I hope it all works. I I agree. I mean, I needed Siri to do something for me yesterday and and it it just gave me everything but what I what I wanted it to do and and asked me all these questions that were totally unrelated. I I don't know if Siri is going to get smarter or or learn more. I hope so, but you know, we'll see. You know, it, it's it sometimes is great and it sometimes is not. Um I found it especially iffy, if that's a word, on the Apple Watch sometimes. It, it, it would totally get me messed up or not answer my question or ask me a really ridiculous question. <laughs> and Heidi, how are you feeling about it all? Oh, I'm sort of on the other hand. I'm really excited. Um, I haven't been that big of a Siri user, um, but I think with all these shortcuts and just having so many things happen that I need to happen together, I would probably become a much more regular user of Siri. Mm. 
For me, I think there are two areas where Siri is weak. One of them was the lack of openness to third-party applications, and they had a go at this a couple of years ago with SiriKit, where they really just opened it up to a very small number of applications, which meant that a lot of us couldn't do the things we wanted to do, just like you know, play a book in voice stream or tune to a radio station or any number of things like that. And it sounds like they're addressing that big time. And I, too, I'm very excited about the potential. And I guess to, to answer the comments about whether this is going to be accessible or not, um, I think it's kind of like blind people and, and anybody who has accessibility needs. Over the years, we've been subjected to this sort of form of shock treatment where so often we've been disappointed to find that something isn't accessible so it's natural for us to raise our hackles and and wonder oh my goodness is this feature going to be accessible but for me i've passed that point with apple now i kind of assume now i think they've earned so much of our trust that i now assume it's going to be accessible and then i get maybe disproven otherwise but it's been a long time since i have been you know all the all the native apple stuff seems to work very very well from an accessibility point of view so i'm I'm optimistic. But the other thing um, about Siri, where it's weak, is that it just doesn't know as much stuff <laughs> as <laughs> as Google does, you know. And I don't know whether Amazon Echo or Siri can ever do that because Google's got that search engine advantage where they have the ability to scrape so much content um, through the, the search technology that they have. I'm not sure Google will ever be surpassed in that area. But I think... It's going to be rocking to have Siri with these. I mean, it's like, uh, if you're familiar, guys, with the Alexa routines, it's like that. It, it seems like you can string a whole bunch of functions together and give them one Siri command, like the, the woman who was on stage demonstrating her drive home and all the things that it did with that one command. I thought that was fabulous. No, it is fabulous. And, and I agree with you. Apple on accessibility has been outstanding really and you know i i just um i assume it is going to be accessible uh i just hope it is yeah yeah have faith mate have faith <laughs> and the, and the, it's kind of like ifttt in some ways for those familiar with that geeky service where mm. they go they've got a gallery of pre-made shortcuts so even if you know some of our users will struggle with creating these i think and i am a bit concerned about that but for those users, at least you will be able to go to a gallery and maybe download what IFTDT called recipes, and I guess they're calling shortcuts here in the Siri lingo, and you'll be able to download those and set them up so somebody's done the work for you. And also, of course, there are two types of um, shortcut, as I understand it. There's a shortcut that will come shipped with the app. And so if you have app documentation or a user guide, uh, you know, help file, the app will tell you shortcuts that they've programmed in for you when you install the app, and then you can then program additional ones for yourself. All right, any other comments on Siri before we move on? Because that's a, that's a big one. Um, well, I guess just with the shortcuts, I've just got the slide here, okay. and um, it looks like in the shortcuts app, there's like there's two tabs, library and gallery. And if you go to the gallery app, a tab it sort of reminds me of the app store where there's lots available that you can choose from and they're all in different categories so i think there'll be lots available even for people who don't want to make their own that will be relevant so it's kind of like an app store for siri shortcuts yeah, yeah that's going to be pretty impressive uh, we'll see how that goes all right now news now let me just get my beef about news out of the way 
Why is it not in New Zealand? Why is it? Well, I think it's only in the United States, Australia and the UK, to the best of my knowledge. I thought it was in Canada, but somebody told me on the Mosin explosion yesterday, it is not in Canada. So it's in a very small number of countries. And they didn't mention they were extending that. And yet the new Google News app, which I think is wonderful, it's in about 127 uh, countries. So now in the news app, you can uh, browse to a um, browse tab to discover content. There's a new sidebar on the iPad that makes everything um, easier to navigate. And then there's also the stocks app has been reworked and that integrates with Apple News as well. So you've got business information as well. Uh, are either of you, Janet and Debbie, since we can't use it here, are you Apple News users? I have used it on occasion. Um, it's it's it works. I mean, I I like it and offers a lot, but honestly, I don't use it that much. I like it a lot, but it was really penned in the press here, and that surprised me. But I think, uh, you know, I think we as blind people tend to monitor news more um, than you know, average people nowadays aren't even buying newspapers, and so I think part of why it was penned in the press was just that. People want news to be more extraordinary than it is. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's an American thing, too, because I've lived overseas. And I think that in Europe, for example, people are much more focused on news than we are here in America. It is quite hard to get international news of anything but the most dramatic things in the States. You really have to go searching for international news about everyday things. Oh, yeah. Shortwave stations. I mean, um, I speak German and I often will find something on uh, German media that isn't covered here at all. It seems pretty important. Yes. Yes. Ah, interesting. The the news app, why was it... Um why was it given such a hard time in the media, Debbie, in, in the U.S.? A basic interface not exciting. All the same things that make it so accessible to us made it unexciting, I think, to sighted uh, journalists. Okay. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Uh, were there any interesting slides about news, Heidi? Um, not really. Just no. screenshots of what they were describing, and you've pretty much picked it all up anyway. Isn't it nice to see something as sort of basic but important to many blind users as voice memos getting so much love? It looks like they have rewritten the voice memos app. They've also brought it over to Mac for the first time. It, it's on iPad as well, and it all syncs with iCloud. So no matter what you record your voice memo on, it will end up on all of your other devices signed into that iCloud account. This is such a boon for college students. And anybody who needs to uh, take, you know, record meetings. And uh, I'm so happy to see it on the iPad because I had a very embarrassing day once when I was trying to show a student how to use voice memos and realized, oops, it's on my phone, but <laughs> not on your iPad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is it good enough for lecture recording i guess you know I, i've used some apps in the past that offer a little bit of dynamic compression you know so that mm -hmm. if the lecturer gets soft or you're recording from a little bit far away it will do its best to crank up the volume of the audio and i d does voice memos do enough in that regard i i think it does um i think it's almost as good as an olympus digital recorder if you're recording something compressed you know m4a Okay. Um, you know, of course, you're going to get an MP3 on the Olympus Digital Recorder, but I think it's about as good. I have recorded outdoor meetings. Uh, I belong to a, a team that meets outdoors all the time, and it's picked up everybody's voice fine. Right. Like, yeah. 
You're, you're a fan, Janet, of voice memos? You know what? I, I've used it on occasion. Then I bought just press record. And um, since that does sync with the Mac, um, and I don't have an iPad, um, so I just use my phone and I believe my watch too. Uh, I've used that, but I will definitely just, for comparison's sake, go in now and, and try voice memos now that it will sync across iCloud. Uh, can I go backwards for a minute? I wanted to ask Heidi about the news app sidebar. He said you could dig in with the sidebar, and I was wondering what the visual <laughs> with that was. Okay, um, I think. Hold on, I just bring up my side. I think it <laughs> just brings up a lot more options. So the example we were shown with the browse tab gave us the um, news sites people providers providers that um whoever this was was following so you could break it down by like to just washington post or just cnn or just new york times but then it also had a search so you could search by a topic or search by for specific stories or search by channels again so i guess things like that and I think and that this is this is trying to do what Google was also trying to do at their presentation, which is to say, look, there is concern that people get into their own little bubbles where they only get news that reinforces their own perspective on life. And so it looks like this browse functionality that Apple's introducing is trying to give people exposure to a wider range of points of view. And we kind of skipped the stocks app, but many older, especially older visually impaired folks are day traders. And it looked to me like all these new features were going to be really great for them. Good. Good. Yeah, I, I must admit I'm, I'm too much of a, I'm too risk averse to play the stock market myself. But uh, it, it, it does look nice that you can drill down and get news about the company stocks that you're interested in, that you may have invested in or you're tracking for whatever reason. Uh, let's see. Now, I don't know if, if you're testing um, iOS, but back in iOS 11.3, there was an app that there was an app that appeared called Books, and then right at the end of iOS 11.3's cycle, it disappeared again, <laughs> and now it's back in iOS 12. And so this is just called Apple Books. It's the rebranded uh, iBooks, and I don't know whether you've got to look at this, Heidi, to tell us whether it looks different from the iBooks app that we've come it to know and love. It does look different. Um, if I... Okay, so it's got yeah, lots of different tabs like you're used to, but they've redesigned it. So it's definitely a lot more streamlined and definitely a lot more visually, visually appealing, but it's still simplistic. So um, in the library, you c- they've got it displayed with the covers but i think you can have it just with the list of books but it's a lot easier to see the covers now like they used to be very very small on a screen and now they've increased the size you see less at a time but it's much more obvious what the books are and it's also got on the what's this page called uh you've got a reading now page so you can see what book you were just reading and also ones you were recently reading if you're switching between different books might be useful for a student who's got lots of textbooks on their phone or something like that and then they've just given the store um a facelift and i guess so okay so it kind of looks like Apple Music, but for books. Yes. And the fact that audiobooks are integrated. My poor mom, every time I give her an audiobook for Mother's Day, she struggles to get it playing in, in the music app, and it's very unintuitive for her. 
I was struck by the number of references they made to audiobooks in that part of the presentation, and it did make me wonder whether they are going to work harder on their own at the audio market, because largely they've been dependent on Audible up until now. Right, and it's much easier to gift an, uh, an audiobook, which I do very frequently through iTunes, and it is through Audible. And so then I end up having to do tech support showing people how to play it. So I'm really hoping that won't be such a problem. Yeah, so one of the tabs, they've now added a tab just called audiobooks, and it's essentially the same as the regular bookstore, but only with audiobooks in it. Heidi, did you notice if if they're having the, they used to have like all the charts and everything of audiobooks and and print books and and all the charts of what was selling, was it visible whether they're going to still have that? Yes. that's a wonderful feature. Yeah, so they've still got like the new and trending and the for you recommendations in those store sections as well. Okay, good. <laughs> How do you think iBooks and Kindle compare? If you had a choice and the the book was available in iBooks or Kindle, which would you go for and why? iBooks. Um, I, I just think the interface is easier. Um, I have done Kindle. And I mean, it works, but I, I just like um, iBooks better. And I love that I can get an audiobook on iBooks and I, I can't do that on my Kindle. On my, on my, actually, I use Kindle for iOS, but I would definitely stick with iBooks. Hmm. What about you, Debbie? Well, I use Kindle more because I'm cheap uh, and <laughs> more money on iOS. Uh, but I think the Braille support for iBooks is better. I always seem to get lost if I'm using Braille with Kindle. Uh, so, yeah, I, and I actually have a Kindle. So sometimes I will actually read on my Kindle instead of on the Kindle for iOS. I do think one thing that Amazon did that I wish Apple had done is they had published that Kindle uh the, the gestures book and with ios if you're trying to figure out what gestures to use you've got to get all the way through the manual in ibooks which of course you don't know the gestures in ibooks to read the manual to find the gestures for ibooks so, <laughs> yeah, that's annoying <laughs> i used to use ibooks a lot and i like the simplicity of it i like being able to go into the the ibooks app and make a purchase and just download it and start to read it all from the one app and of course uh, Amazon understandably doesn't want Apple to take a 30% cut of every single Kindle purchase. So I understand why, given the framework that exists at the moment, you can't buy a uh, Kindle book right from within the Kindle app. But I've actually switched to using Kindle most of the time now because I can pick up from where I left off on my Windows PC with JAWS. And of course, there's no iBooks for Windows, but I can also have it on, on my uh, multiple Amazon Echo devices and and i find that very convenient that sort of sync functionality and being able to pick it up on so many devices has just steered me to kindle a bit in recent times uh let's see well carplay support i don't know whether we have much to say about that but um carplay is now supporting third-party navigation apps like so. google maps yes yes and ways yes and ways yep so people will be pleased about that um who who prefer a third-party navigation tool. Um, well, it will work with Nearby Explorer, which has excellent turn-by-turn directions when uh, when you have no other connection. I was in rural Ohio, and nobody's GPS worked except my uh, Nearby Explorer. So that was great. Why is that? Is that because the, the content's downloaded in advance, is it? That, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that's pretty nifty. Well, hopefully that works with CarPlay. The, the the app designed for blind people is working with... Well, of course, it's amazing how often blind people become the navigator in a sort of a blind-sighted situation, isn't it, where the, the sighted person is doing the driving. Uh, my husband expects me to be the navigator. I mean, that's just our deal. He feels that he's doing all the driving, I can't share the driving, and he doesn't want to have to think about navigating. So he will look at the map if we're lost, but if we're not lost, he expects me to, to handle it all. Well, also for me, not as a blind person, but as a passenger usually, because I don't drive that much, I'm often the navigator as well. So maybe it's just a passenger thing. Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> I think so. All right, let's talk about a really big focus for Apple this year. And in fact, from all of the uh, manufacturers, Microsoft has their focus assist mode and the latest version of Windows. Uh, Google has a bunch of stuff that they announced. And Apple has announced what they call a comprehensive set of features to limit distraction and understand how you spend your time. Now, starting off here with do not disturb. And um, this is there's a special mode called do not disturb at bedtime. And this is supposed to uh, avoid the the trap that a number of us, I'm sure, get into where you pick up the phone in the night for maybe just to check the time or something like that. And suddenly you're you're pulled in by the slew of notifications <laughs> that, you know, and everybody knows that we are all indispensable and nothing can possibly wait until it's morning. And so you get roped in and you never get back to sleep. So there's that feature. There was also um, a setting and ending time for do not disturb. And you can set that, as I understand it, based on a bunch of criteria such as maybe when you leave a certain place or when a calendar event ends. Did you get any slides on that feature? Yeah, there was only one slide on that and the ones they showed was um, end after an hour, um, end this evening, um, automatically end when I leave this location or automatically end when at the end of this event. See, that is super. I'll just go through the full list and then we'll just open it up for comments. So also as part of this um, program, there's instant tuning for notifications. So if you find that something's a bit too chatty, you can tell it not to put the notification on the lock screen anymore. There are groups notifications are back. And I got so many comments from people who said we want group notifications back. You know, the ability to group by app or it looks like they've extended that. You can group by app, by event, by thread, a whole bunch of different criteria for grouping notifications. And then we get on to, as part of this initiative, the week, the weekly activity summary, kind of like you what you get on your Apple Watch now, but this is for your whole use of your iPhone, um, what app you've been in, how long you've used it, how often you pick the thing up. It's going to be a scary thing, I tell you, <laughs> reading this report every week. And um, once you've read that report, you can do things like set app limits. So if you want to um, be kicked out of the Facebook app or whatever, after a certain amount of use, you can do that. You get a notification that your time's almost up. And then what actually happens, Heidi, when... When when your time has run out. Okay, so when your time runs out, essentially your app disappears and you get an overlay with an hourglass. It says time limit. You've spent and then however long you allowed on whatever app today and you can no longer use the app. But then there's also an option to ignore limit if you just need to go back in. But they did say that it would then remind you again later if you ignored the limit at the time when it came up. Okay, now you get a notification when time is up, right? So then um, it syncs with iCloud. So once you've set this up, 
then it applies to all the apps that are signed, uh, all the devices that are signed into iCloud. And for those who have uh, family sharing members, parents who have family sharing members under the age of, I think, 16, uh, parents will get reports, activity reports. And I actually get this for my youngest daughter from Microsoft already. So um, Apple's catching up there. Uh, you can create um, allowances. Okay, dear, you've got a, I'm going to, I'm going to, deduct your allowance because you've been naughty this week and you not, can't have us, yeah. not quite like that <laughs> um and you can you can limit by category or individual app you can um, set age appropriate content and it's all done within the family sharing interface so it's a very very long list um do you want to janet should i start with you would you like to comment on on all of this is this necessary really do you think i think it's it's just it gives another tool. Is it necessary? Maybe for some people it is. Some people it isn't. Just just so you know, Good Morning America did a whole thing on this this morning, but it's another tool. And and if it helps you, then that's wonderful. There's nowhere where it says you have to use it. It just gives you something else. If my daughter was younger, uh, when she got her phone, I would have been really happy to have these tools available. So yeah, I I think it's up to the individual. But I think Apple is is. Uh, doing a very, very good service, and hopefully it, it will help those people who need it or, or want it, and maybe, you know, get the kids outside and playing and doing some some other stuff besides being on their screens all the time. But, you know, it's it's hard to take that screen time away, and, and I like that you can opt out of certain notifications, and, and I think it's a, a really nice idea. How about you, Debbie? Well, I think the notifications are uh, all the... Uh, uh, features and notifications and do not disturb are great. It's wonderful to be able to set it like you're near a meeting and tell it, okay, my meeting's going to be over at noon. Uh, I love all that. Um, what I'm a little concerned about is the media has made such a big deal about people being obsessed with their screens. And I think this is news that they just invented because they had to create a story. We have had all through history, we've had people who are, quote, addicted to things. We have men who are supposedly addicted to porn and to sports. We've had women who run up their credit cards and are addicted to shopping. We have kids who play too many video games. I think we are always going to have a component of our society that wants instant gratification and can't get away from whatever their passion is to to you know, do regular life activities. And um, so I think that the reasons these features are being implemented are all wrong, because I think the media is inventing stories that aren't true. However, the features that are coming out of it for those of us who do have good time management skills are wonderful. I agree with you, Debbie. I th I was reading an article the other day that said that um, when, the, when, when humans started to write on stone tablets, people started complaining about how the human brain was going to deteriorate and decline because you wouldn't have to remember as much. Whether it be TV or radio or whatever, people have always complained that this is the end of the human race and the human brain as we know it. I am pleased that Apple has allowed you to uh, distinguish which category you care about because to me, screen time is not, um, it's, it's, it's not all the same. If somebody's using screen time to just do something completely inane, uh, watching some sort of video or game or not doing anything, that's completely different from somebody running a high-quality educational app that's, you know, researching something for school. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased about that. Now, as a member of the younger generation, Heidi, yes. what do you think about this? Well, 
I guess first I want to refer to a news article I read a few weeks ago, and it was about um, kids, very young kids at school um, were asked to write a little story about something that they wish hadn't been invented. And in this class of 30 kids, five of them wished that phones hadn't been invented because their parents were always on them when they wanted to spend time with them. And I think just having these tools in there as a gentle reminder to say, hey, the rest of the world's still out there is actually a really useful thing. So you think it's adults who are the problem? I'm not saying it's adults who are the problem. I'm saying everyone's the problem. (laughs) Um, And I think everyone could benefit from gentle reminders now and again now and then and especially with the parents being able to limit time for kids on screens um my mother-in-law karen um my youngest siblings-in-laws are nine and seven and they are absolutely addicted to the family ipad and she has so much trouble getting them to put it down at bedtime or just to leave it alone while they're having a family dinner and i think being able to say okay this is a downtime you can't use it right now it's family time would actually be really beneficial in those situations yeah and and also whether you're you're looking to, to set limits or 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 not just getting an idea of not only how much your kid is using their device, but also how much, you know, I don't know how many hours a day I'm on my phone. I, I've, I've never looked at it. I will now to see how much I'm doing work and playing games and, and doing whatever. It just, just gives you an idea of where you are. It gives you a baseline, even if you're not using it to limit your time. Yeah. And I also think just we as humans get very easily distracted sometimes. And so being able to see that we intended to spend our screen time being productive, but got distracted by something that wasn't and seeing that happening over and over could just be enough of a reminder to actually set us back on the right path. Also, I said they were trying to play catch up, and this is a lot like Amazon's free time and all of the stuff that Amazon has been doing for Kindle for kids already. Right. So we're seeing this too with routines. You know, the, the, the Siri shortcut thing just seems like routines uh, by another name, and now we're seeing it here. So, yeah, I guess but they all play catch-up, don't they? So somebody does something, and then somebody comes out with the, their version of it. So, yeah, I guess a- Apple has had to play quite a bit of catch-up this year. Uh, well, it would be interesting to see how it goes. It's kind of like a budget for your time, you know? And, and And I will be fascinated to see my data. I think I'm going to find that I'm probably spending a bit too much time in the Twitter app than I would like. But <laughs> I also know that my top apps will be Instapaper and Larry, which is my RSS reader, I'm I'm sure, and, and maybe Mail. So hopefully I won't be too disgusted with myself. We'll just have to see. Um, all right, let's talk messages. That's next. And... Um, well, I mean, of course, the standout feature has got to be the tongue detection for an emoji. Sorry, I'm... <laughs> that's just ridiculous. I agree. Uh, Leo Laporte said there is a G with a little tongue dropping out. Yes, the the way they did the um, word tongue detection, the G in tongue actually lowered down like a tongue was poking out it extended and then like snuck back in all right let's just go backwards a little bit for listeners who aren't familiar an emoji is an iphone 10 only feature can you describe it heidi it uses the camera to map essentially the expression on your face and then translates those movements into little animated characters of various 
variety. Yeah, and I used it all the time to message you, but you got sick of it after a while, so it's I stopped. But maybe now really, that there are new Animoji, you'll, you know. It's really not that great. <laughs> I, I think it's just like a gimmick that people are like, oh, it's cute and it's fun, but I just think it's silly. The, the other thing that people did that I thought was hilarious, because this was something that, that just grew organically, was people were getting karaoke backing tracks and singing to them with the Animoji feature and, and uploading them to YouTube and places like that. So you'd have some sort of like smiling pile of poo singing Bohemian Rhapsody or something. And <laughs> it, it went very viral. Uh, so uh, now they've got this thing called Memoji. Now, I must admit, Janet, I'm on your I'm on uh, the, I'm, I'm in your side on this one. I, I, I wonder how accessible Memoji is going to be. Can you create voiceover labels for these things? That the the existing ones are labeled, so there's a picker yeah, item. I know, but if you create one, can you create a label for it too? I suppose. Do do we know much about how Animoji are constructed at this point, Heidi, from the visuals? Yes. So you um, go into your Animoji messages app, and there'll be a plus button, and you can choose new Memoji, and then you get this editor, and it goes through various stages. So you've got age, chin shape, ears. Eyes, oh, good, I can brows, finally do something about my big hairs, ears. Whatever you want, pretty much. Col hair color, eye color, skin color. Um, from some of the previews, they have lots of different, like, headdresses. So people who, like, wear... What, what are the headdresses that people wear that cover, like, everything but their face? Right. I can't remember what they're called. But anyway, so... Th they're, like the burqa or something like yeah, that. Something yeah, something like yeah. that, yeah. So they've uh, accommodated all of that, which I guess is quite nice. But, yeah, there's quite a lot of options in there mm, okay so they made one that looked just like tim cook all right so that's that's an emoji any other comments on an emoji well you know kids are going to love this thing but who is going to give their kid a thousand dollar iphone 10 well heidi who is um jonathan mosen <laughs> <laughs> no i i did promise her there was a song who's your daddy yeah yeah, but yeah for me <laughs> For business reasons, I'll probably have to upgrade to whatever the next one is. And sometimes I resent, well, I don't really resent having to do it I mean, because it's it's important for, for the books I'm writing and things. So I have promised her she's she's next in line for the 10. So she'll get she'll get Animoji. But yeah, I mean, maybe the Animoji will trickle down to some of the cheaper iPhones that are rumored for later in the year. Um, Did you notice no iPod was mentioned? Um, you know, I don't know about you, but in our extended family, the iPod usually gets given to the kid. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, well, that, that's right. It was, uh, uh, th there was no mention of it in that context. Um, all right, let's talk, let's talk a really cool one. Group FaceTime. OMG. So, yeah, the, we were very excited about this one. You can FaceTime up to 32 people, and it can be FaceTime audio or FaceTime video. And uh, you can go from a group chat. So you've constructed a group in uh, iMessage, which is something mm -hmm. we do quite a bit. And then if you want, you can uh, turn that into a FaceTime group. People can drop in and out as they see fit without breaking the call. Yep. And it sounds like it's really well done. Anyone else excited? Um, yes. Oh, I think it's great. It's, you know, there's not much else to say about it. it it's, you know, I, I don't know if I'd want to do 32 people, but I've been on, on calls where there are, you know, three of us or four of us. Um, and the only way to go through that way or the, where, uh, you know, is to go through Skype or, or, you know, have one person call, or just do it as audio and 
do like a three-way call. This is this is great, and I can see how this would have really nice business applications as well. I I would be excited if my friends were actually on FaceTime. Everyone I know is on on Android, or they want to use Skype, or they want to yeah. hey, they want to use. Um, Zoom, which we're using today, or they want to use GoToMeeting, or they want to use Google Hangouts, or, uh, I mean, it would be so nice if everybody just was on FaceTime. Fully agreed. That that was what I was going to say. There were two things missing from this announcement today, FaceTime for Android and FaceTime for Windows. And until they have <laughs> a universal platform, it's going to be kind of a niche thing. Um and and to compete with things like WhatsApp as well, can you do you can you do real time group calling in WhatsApp? I believe so. I have used WhatsApp mostly to talk to European friends, and I think they've put people on the call, but I've never tried it. Yeah, yeah. WhatsApp's WhatsApp's pretty nice. I don't, I don't use it an awful lot. Um, but uh, all right, so that's FaceTime. It'll be great to have a play with that. And that takes us on to watchOS. Did anybody have any sort of closing comments on iOS 12 as a whole um, in terms of how it all shakes down when we go through this feature by feature? I hope they warn people with phones that don't have very much RAM that this is going to be big. Yep. Again, I work with a lot of low-income people, a lot of young people, and so I'm always thinking about you know, it's it's not just what I can afford, but what can these people that I serve afford? Isn't it good news, though, that those people with phones that are running iOS 11 now should get a faster, better very, experience? Yeah. Very, very. Yeah, very positive. I really have to commend Apple for that. I mean, it, it's... It will help people with that that cannot afford to buy a, a new phone and, and the fact that there's no fee for this upgrade, I think it, it's very commendable the way they did this. It is a big advantage. I mean, there are very high-end Android devices that might have come out even a couple of years ago that aren't getting updates now, uh, other than perhaps security updates. So it's a, it's a big win. Well, let's have a look at WatchOS for the Apple Watch. And um, one of the things that they introduced last year that's kind of fun is the activity sharing. And it does spur you on when you read that your friends have completed their goals and you think, oh, I better do the same. Now they've turned it into a competition and you can challenge your friends to a seven day competition. There are points awarded for completing your uh, workout. And basically at the end of the week, you're going to have a winner based on who has completed their uh, their their goals, close their rings and things like that. Nifty. Yeah, I think they said you get one point for every 1% of a ring you close. So I guess if you like go over your 100%, you're still getting extra points. Oh, really? So you can actually, if you if you move at 200%, you can just be totally acing the field. Well, I, I believe so. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that's what they said. Well, I have to have a look at this because what would stop you from lowering your move goal to something really crazy you know, a very small number, and then acing it at two or three hundred percent. Um, integrity. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a competition we're talking about here. This this, this appeals to my competitive spirit. Um, are you both Apple Watch users, Janet and Debbie? I love my Apple Watch. I I use it for activity. I use it. Um, you know. I'll, I'll get do texts on it. I, I have it cellular so I can actually take my dog out for a nice long walk and not have to worry about finding a pocket or something from my phone. So I, I love it for that. I love being able to get texts and, and emails on it and being able to respond 
you know, in, in real time, you know, right away if it's something that really, really is urgent. And um, I am a big fan of the Apple Watch. Mm. Debbie? Well, I'm in a gym where everybody but me has one, so oh. I'm familiar with it. I just don't have one. Yeah, fair enough. What What is it that yeah, – yeah, is, there, is there a reason why? Is it just not appeal to you? you uh, finances. I'm the yeah. pretty much the breadwinner in my family. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's right. It's not a cheap accessory, is it? Um, no, so. it's not. I have a Fitbit, but the Apple Watch is just out of my price range at right. the moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are some other workouts added, uh, yoga. Yep. And what else do we Hiking. have? Hiking. Hiking. Yep. And um, what else am I? Um, so that, that looks at your heart rate and your elevation level. You can track how fast you've run the preceding mile if yep. you're doing that. And one of the things that Janet talked about, it is so frustrating when you've when you've slogged away at a workout only to find that you forgot to push the button. Or actually, I've had a couple of times, there's a very weird bug that's been in watchOS for a while now, where sometimes the when the voiceover is running, the watch just, goes into standby at the most inopportune time. Sometimes you can just turn it on and, and have it going for two or three seconds and it does it. Um, and and so sometimes you think you've double tapped the start workout button and the watch has chosen to go to sleep. At least now you get the countdown beeps to try and remedy right. that. Uh, so this is good. You're happy about this, Janet? I am very happy about it. Mm. Definitely. I have a location-based reminder on my phone to remind my girlfriend to push the button on her watch. Okay, that's very generous of you. <laughs> now, the one that I thought was really cool was this walkie-talkie feature on oh, the Apple Watch. I love it. Yeah. Can yeah. I just oh. step back for one second? Of course. So, um, on the slide of the start workout, um, it said that it can detect indoor runs, outdoor runs, outdoor walks, indoor walks, ellipticals, rowers, a pool swim, or an open water swim. So, I guess more will be added after that, but that's the ones they're saying it's definitely going to work for. What about that cool Apple employee who was actually on stage on an exercise bike <laughs> giving a presentation while she was playing with her Apple Watch? That was cool. I wonder if it does that. I take spinning classes. I wonder if it's... Yeah, yeah. she was on a bike. I wonder if they do that, if they will, will chart spinning. Yeah. I, I want one of those bikes where you just sort of tap the watch against the bike and it sort of establishes the connection. Yep. I like this gym kit. I wonder if it's going to give us some more accessibility because... So much gym equipment is inaccessible, and you can plug your phone into it, but then everything on your phone shows up on your screen. So that, you know, on the screen on the gym equipment, it's not like the phone actually can control the equipment. Yeah, I know you're a pretty regular listener to the podcast, Debbie, so you may have heard the interview we did uh, from uh, Rika in the UK where they were talking about, they've, they've written a report on the inaccessibility of gym equipment and just how much that impacts on blind people's ability to get into shape. So... I was really excited when they announced GymKit, but it takes a while for this thing to kind of... Trickle down. Yeah, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Because you know, Apple will announce... It was like this with HomeKit. So Apple announced something major, like a framework like this, and then it takes a while for the hardware manufacturers to put it into their product cycles. Right. Well, and then you'll find in a lot of high-end equipment first, and so then it's still out of the reach of home users unless you can get your local gym to realize that they need to be a little more compliant. Yeah. ADA compliant or whatever your laws in New Zealand are. Now, can I talk about the walkie talkie? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. I, talk about the walkie -talkie. <laughs> I yes. loved walkie talkies when I was a kid. How, how does it work, Heidi? Are they are they holding something down on the watch face when 
when they're using the walkie-talkie, or what? How's it working? Um, they didn't actually show it anyone like physically using it but there's a big talk button on the screen so it might be just tap to talk and then tap to stop or something like okay. that i'm not sure yet it's hopefully it's not a double tap and hold on something as small as the watch because that <laughs> might be a bit yeah but if you if you can double tap it to start and double tap it to stop again then that should be interesting i'm just wondering about i mean there's no filter is there so if you've authorized somebody to be um uh, eligible for walkie-talkiness and you're in a meeting and you forgot to put the watch and do not disturb, you know, it doesn't even ring or anything. Suddenly their voice is just going to come blasting through the room. You're going to have to be a bit careful. Um, when you send a walkie-talkie request, there's like an always allow option. And then I can't see because it's further down the screen, but you can see that there's other options on the watch. So there may be like just allow for a certain amount of time and then it they have to ask for permission again or something like okay. that. So that could be useful in some situations. Yeah. Uh, we use Nextel walkie-talkies here on campus, and that happens all the time. People are in meetings and have forgotten to turn it off. So it, it's it, uh, people will can transition easily to this if they've used Nextel. I have a little note here that says Nextel Yellow. Leo said something about it must be that they have a logo that looks like the Nextel logo. Yeah, so the whole walkie-talkie app is done in yellow. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize Nextel was still a thing. Oh, my goodness. All of our maintenance guys and our IT guys use it, so they're always chatting away on them. Yeah, interesting. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Do you install the betas of watchOS, Janet? No, I did one beta at all, which was a Windows beta years ago, and I swore off betas. <laughs> You're traumatized. I, oh. I, uh, yeah, I... Well, I it, it, my computer started talking by itself and it kept repeating and doing all kinds of weird stuff. That's it. I'm done with betas. For the time. <laughs> yeah, don't blame you. I've got a special test device this year for the iOS ones. Well, I'm going to have to try and find somebody to test the walkie-talkie app with when I put watchOS 5 on my watch. I'm really looking forward to this one. And they say the audio quality is good and it sounded okay, you know, um, on, on the presentation. It sounded very clear. It sounded better than um, the quality of their voice messages do. Uh, it'd be nice if they improved that codec in the process. Um, Siri watch face on the watch. Um, it includes live sports scores now, and you can get your heart rate if you want. Uh, and put also, maps on there. Yeah. Oh, really? And also Siri shortcuts. So uh, the, the Siri shortcuts do work on the watch as well. You can't set them up on the watch, but once they're set up, you can use them on the watch. And you can also now include third-party uh, apps on the Siri watch face. Um you don't need to say... Now, I'm not going to say what you don't need to say because my listeners will... The magic HS phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to say that thing. When you raise your wrist anymore, um, you just raise your wrist and you talk to your watch. don't know how I feel about that. I presume it's a toggle. Yeah. I, I can just imagine being in a conversation and lifting my watch to check the time and then what I'm saying in the conversation being conveyed to Siri and Siri getting really confused and interrupting my conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not sure how much I like that. Um, notifications are more interactive on the watch. I've kind of found notifications to be pretty blah on the um, watchOS to date. So it sounds like they've put a lot of thought into this and you can do a lot with notifications without having to necessarily open the app in question. Uh, the other thing that was really interesting was the integration of WebKit in watchOS 5. And that's going to allow you, while there's no web browser as such on the watch, um, you will be able to view sort of web type content in mail 
and some apps with the aid of WebKit. I think that could open a huge number of possibilities. That's a really nice feature. Yeah. Podcasts, they are coming to Apple Watch and they will sync with iCloud. So you can listen on your phone, your Apple TV, etc., and pick up where you left off. And I have a question about this. I don't know whether the slides tell us. I doubt that they do. They weren't very descriptive, but go ahead. But I, I hope that I understand why they don't want music coming through that tinny little Apple Watch speaker. But particularly with the Watch Series 3, the speaker's not really that bad. And I hope that we can listen to podcasts just on the Watch speaker without having to connect anything. It didn't tell us either way, no. Yeah. yeah. Would you would you go for that, Janet, or do you think it really requires Bluetooth headphones of some kind? No, I agree that that speaker is not bad, and um, I I don't I'm I don't know what's what they're going to do, but I think it would be okay if you were listening just on the watch's speaker. Third party apps can now play background audio, so that's good, and you can also add things like air quality. To, that's a new widget, I think, on the uh, on the Apple Watch. You can customize the buttons and control center. And for some participating campuses, I don't know if your ears pricked up with this one, Debbie, but um, they are rolling out student IDs. Your Apple Watch can be a student ID. Yes. Right now, it's just universities, but I will be monitoring when it comes to community colleges for sure. Yeah, it's being rolled out with Duke. Temple University, Johns Hopkins University, University of Oklahoma, Santa Clara University, and the University of Alabama. Oh, Tim Cook's alma mater, is it? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh, that's that's good. So a, a nice series of features. I will be very interested to see if there's any changes in... Um, there... Sorry. Voiceover. Sorry, go. There's also a slide with new features that a lot of them weren't said out loud, so I'll just go through them now. Okay, good. Um... So these are all the new features on the watch. You can choose your Wi-Fi network. Oh, um, good. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> there's background audio mode, uh, scheduled do not disturb, answer FaceTime video calls as audio, mm-hmm. uh, customized control center, uh, Hindi localization, combined notifications, Parkinson's research API, audio controller API, add stocks, Install software updates tonight, student ID cards, add cities to weather, notification tuning, memories in photo face, improved API for workout tracking, new emoji picker, new awards tab, air quality and weather, wind direction and speed and weather, UV index and weather, podcast complication, and customize world clock. Well, speaking of all those weather wow. changes, I just want to give a big shout out for the Weather Gods app, which I think is absolutely awesome on the Apple Watch. I get so much good weather information with Weather Gods on the Apple Watch. They've done a huge job with accessibility as well. So um, if you're a weather buff, I, I recommend it. Uh, yeah, I just wonder whether there'll be any voiceover changes, Janet, because one of the things that uh, I have to do, I, I really prefer the Daniel voice uh, in, in Australia and New Zealand. We get Karen by default. And the only way I can get Daniel on my watch right now is to actually change my region to the UK. Interesting. I think the only one I can get is Samantha, but I'm not yeah. 100% sure. No, that, that's uh, right. That is all. Yeah. You know, and, you know, there are better voices than Samantha, absolutely. But, you know, I, I don't hate it. I can I can live with it. 
Now, let's have a look at TVOS. And, uh, uh, can I just say yes, something quick about Apple Watch? Please do. I Now that they're adding so many features, I'd really like to, them to make more Apple wearables, an Apple brooch, an Apple necklace. How about Apple earrings that you could... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's my only comment. We can move on to TV now. That's a really interesting concept, uh, Apple earrings. Uh, well, you're not a girl, so I didn't expect you to think about Apple jewelry, but I just have to put in the girl comment here. <laughs> Apple stilettos. I mean, you know, why not? I mean, yeah. So <laughs> Apple tie clips. Yeah. <laughs> why don't we just get an all-out Apple T-shirt? A wearable T-shirt? Yeah. Like, you know, with, 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 with all sorts of trackers all over you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it reminds me of when I was involved with the blindness agency here a long time ago, and they manufactured this um, this T-shirt with Braille. I think Braille is beautiful, um, and half of the people were complaining because they were being groped, and half were complaining because they weren't. So uh, I think, and then we sort of took it away. Um, now, TVOS. I have to tell you a story about TVOS. Uh, I get these rewards on my credit card. You know, they accumulate, and they're, they're kind of like dollars that you can spend at select merchants. It's a pretty common sort of program, you know. And uh, the other day, I sat down with Bonnie, and I said, it's about time we spent these rewards because they'll expire. And one of the things that we could get was a 4K Apple TV, and I felt very responsible. I said to Bonnie, we don't need the 4K Apple TV because we don't benefit from the 4K, and that's really the only thing that's going for it so instead i said to bonnie you know i know you think we should get some new sheets so let's get some really nice fancy three pairs of really nice fancy sheets you know with pillowcases to match and everything so we got that instead of the apple tv 4k and i felt all very grown up and responsible <laughs> and now i find out that the apple tv 4k is going to support dolby atmos um, so I, I'm also thinking that the Sonos later in the week is also going to possibly support Dolby Atmos. That Sonos has got an event where they're announcing a new home theater package, and if Sonos supports Dolby Atmos, well, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Just upgrade. Can you return the sheets? <laughs> yeah. Return the sheets. Yeah. Um, I, I Dolby Atmos is amazing. I don't know if you've heard it in action, but wow. It's a really immersive experience, and blind people, you know, who care about their audio, are going to love this thing. So there's that um, zero sign-in if you're on a participating network. So this means that Apple introduced a new thing called um, what? What is it called? Universal sign-in, I think. Where yeah, it was single sign-in. Single sign-in, where if you were part of a cable provider that was uh, participating, you signed in once, and you were unlocked for all of the apps that. Uh, that used it now if you're on a broadband network belonging to a participating cable provider it all just signs in for you which is a wonderful idea no comcast though no no comcast yet no comcast is what is big here in the bay area so i thought that was very interesting because most of us can't get anything but comcast so half those apple employees a mile away from me are not going to be watching their cable on their apple tv Right, so there was some big names that were missing, like there was no Time Warner and... Um, yeah, Time Warner is now Charter Spectrum, so... Oh, okay. Which is the one that was announced. Okay, okay. Right. Keep but um, my thing with Time Warner Spectrum or um, Charter Spectrum is that it is impossible to put on descriptive video. So I actually switched out of them um, because the workaround was, was, you know, not appropriate. And, and so... You know, I'll wait. I have Verizon FiOS, and you know, 
probably great with, with not having to sign in, but I'd still rather have the descriptive video access at this point. Okay, can you explain that? How does it, what's, what's the issue there? The issue is that um, to get descriptive video service on a program, like uh, let's say over here, like NCIS is described. To turn to activate that feature in a charter spectrum with charter spectrum is about 10 or 11 steps. Mm -hmm. Their workaround was to give me a Roku um, and it had their app on it. And some of this stuff was described and and some wasn't and something that might have been described on regular TV when it was on may not be described. And it it was just a job and a half. So I switched out of there. to a different carrier. I switched to Verizon Fios. And with Verizon Fios, it's really easy. And um, for you USA listeners, you can change channels with Amazon Alexa. Wow. Okay. So much much more convenient. Much. Apple's really trying to replace the cable box. They haven't got there yet, but I think that you're going to see more and more of this attempt. They've been trying for a long time, haven't they? I mean, I think I had this. They had this grand design that they were going to allow you to sign in and watch all your cable channels, and the cable industry really played hardball over that. They are making some inroads in places like France and Switzerland, but the US seems to be a very hard nut to crack. Now the live news looks really useful. Yeah, do we know what's on That's the live nice. news? Um, That's been there for a while, I think, hasn't it? Is that new or is it is it not new? I think it's new. Okay, because uh, we, we don't um, have all the TV app features here, so it's difficult for me to, to know. They really it. flew over. I, there's no words on the slides, just pictures, so right. it's not very useful. No, I think it's new. Um, I haven't heard anything about Apple TV doing live news. Okay, so... That's uh, that's good. They're, 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 brief, they're beefing up their live content, and um, that's what they needed to do. And I think that was largely it for tvOS, wasn't it? Um, I was just blown away by the Dolby Atmos, and, and also the fact that they're going to be upgrading, as they did with 4K. Uh, when they rolled out these Dolby Atmos titles in iTunes, if you've purchased a movie in the past, you'll be able to download the upgraded version with Dolby Atmos for free. Will you get better audio with headphones? Or will you have to have one of those sound bars? I know it works with a you know, sound bar and appropriate sort of speaker placement. Um, don't know about what happens if you put stereo headphones on. Yeah, I mean, more and more of us now are watching movies by ourselves. Um, I mean, as a general thing I see with friends. People are tending to sit together in their living room, but each of them is watching their own movie on their gizmo. Sadly, that's true. But we love to sit down and watch a really good movie that's done well in 5.1 at the moment. You know, we yeah. have the Sonos mm-hmm. 5.1, and I just love being immersed in it. It's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'll be into this. Apple TV Remote and Control Center, let's not forget that. Wow. So it sounds like when the system detects an Apple TV, uh, it's going to put the remote in Control Center because you've been able to optionally add the remote in Control Center since iOS 11. You've been able to put it in there. Um, so it sounds like they're just forcing it on you if they detect an Apple TV now. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, let's have a look at um, Mac OS. 
Now, Heidi and uh, Janet have been, well, well, Janet's a Mac user now, a power Mac user, and I was one once. And Heidi, you were one until quite recently. I was one until mine exploded. Yes. I was very interested in the fact that Apple did not make reference to the swirling controversy at the moment that they're dealing with um, regarding their butterfly keyboards on the new Macs. And they now have, count them, three separate class action lawsuits over this butterfly keyboard people say it's really sensitive you just had to give the, the, the tiniest speck of dust and it breaks um i mean the keyboard's the main reason i didn't get another mac yeah. so yeah so i uh, they they avoided that one so mojave is mojave. the name of I, I keep wanting to call it Muhammad. I've got to be careful about that. Um, <laughs> Mac OS Mojave. Um, my first question for you, Heidi. Yes. Is, can you articulate for me the difference between putting your Mac in dark mode and going into accessibility and choosing invert colors? Okay. So when you choose invert colors, it takes every pixel and gives you the inverse. So especially we've got colors like greens become pink and things like that. So it really looks different, but it does make all the whites black and all the blacks white. So when you're reading, say, a text document, it makes it a lot easier to read. Dark mode doesn't do all of that. It actually just takes all the things that are usually very light, such as... Um, finder windows for example they're usually white or light gray it makes them black and dark gray and it like makes all the bars around darker so it takes all the things that are usually really light and especially and distracting i guess is the word and makes them dark so they blend more away and then the text becomes white but all your images stay exactly as they were so that it's easy to actually see the image without having to see say the window around it that it's in does it look cool it does look cool is it going to be a low vision friendly feature i mean is this something that some people with i mean there's a lot of variation in terms of what people with low vision require but might this be a useful accessibility thing or not i think it could be quite useful for people who just have trouble reading um black text on white right so it would just make the whole system black with white text and i think that would be a lot easier for some low vision users but who don't want to have to mess with say invert colors if they're still doing stuff with pictures or something if they have that sort of vision what do you think janet um i you asked my question. I, oh, the good. one thing we didn't really explain was what is dark mode? You know, we, and he was talking about photographs, and I, I was getting a little confused. So thank you, Heidi, for answering that. You're welcome. Yeah. The dark mode seems to be the big thing at the moment. Uh, there's also this concept of dynamic desktops, um, which will change throughout the day, I guess, just to kind of you know, more of a visual thing, give you a bit of relief. And then they have this... Um, what did they call that? Desktop stacks. Now this yes. is interesting. Is this is this Apple's answer to Apple's to, to Microsoft's multiple desktops thing in Windows potentially? You know how you can have multiple desktops open and you can switch between them and sort of keep all your things. No, this is different. So Apple already has a multiple desktop option. Okay. They've had it for a while. Oh wow, wow. <laughs> but no, what this does is it essentially makes they're almost like. Fo smart folders so it takes everything that is on your desktop and puts them into these stacks or folders of things that are similar and then you click on the stack and you only see the things of that type 
So it's sort of like a folder, I guess, in this case. I wonder but, if this is going to be hard for voiceover users with all the interacting you have to do with objects already. Yeah, I mean... could have to go really deep into these things. Yeah, I, I could see where that, that could be a problem. Um, I, I keep my desktop pretty neat, so I, I, I certainly wouldn't want more clutter on there. I wonder if, if there will be a way to turn that feature off if it, if it, it is a problem. It's an opt-in feature, so um, okay. they showed enabling it so they're on the they're in finder on the desktop and they just go to the view tab and then there's an option called use stacks so it can be toggled at will and Excellent. You, you can group by time date tag did we see any other ways that you could group these file stacks? type file type that's quite cool so if you're in a folder and you're just looking for the mp3 files or whatever you could Oh no, because this is not a finder thing; it's a no, desktop this thing. This is just on just the a, desktop. on the desktop, right? But oh, well. yeah. So it's meant for people who keep lots of stuff on the desktop while they're working on it, just to help them find things more easily. Okay. So, like, say you did it by file type, then you'd be able to go into the um, audio stack and only see all the audio files that were sitting on your desktop. All right, a gallery view in Finder. Do we care about this? Is it? Is this? Um, I think it'd be great for people with cognitive challenges because it looks like you're going to get a much more visual view of your files. And combining that with the stacks might be very helpful for, I mean, I used to have a boss and her physical desktop and her Mac desktop were both like a disaster zone. And I don't know how she found anything and she was sighted, but she was a, a visual learner. So, you know, she had to look around to find stuff. Hmm. Yeah, and, uh, I, I can. I think for a visual learner, this is a great tool. Right, you um, you can create automated actions as well and assign them to buttons in the Finder. So, if you are um, an automated user and you want to perform a set of commonly used tasks, sounds like it's going to be easy to do that from Finder as well. Um, they've made some changes to Quick Look. So that's always a good thing. Quick Look is quite a handy tool on the Mac that allows you to, well, just quickly get at files. Yeah. What Did you see what's happening visually with Quick Look, Heidi? Um, essentially, it's your same Quick Look, but then there's also an additional button which you can press to get additional options. So, for the example, they had like a permission slip that needed to be signed. They pushed the button and it essentially brought up all the markup tools that are in preview, but without actually opening preview. And so he could just insert his signature really quickly like that rather than having to open the app and do it and save it and hmm. all that jazz. So, I, I guess there'd be other applications, of course, that was just the one they showed. Okay. So, there may be some accessibility benefits there, potentially. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like there's some degree of editing. I wonder, for example, if you quick look certain documents, you can now. It sounds like you can now sort of make make changes to those documents from quick look. That does feel like the implication, right? There. Yeah. Um, more powerful screenshot tools. You will have enjoyed that today if you were using a Mac to take all your screenshots. Oh my God! Taking sorry, taking screenshots on a Mac is the worst experience I've ever had. Oh, that's very opinionated. Well, probably not, but it, it's really rubbish because <laughs> there's no b screenshot button. You have to hold down like four keys at once to take a single screenshot, and it's it's the worst. Whereas like in Windows computers you have the print screen button it's one button and it's just like tap and you got your screenshot you don't have to remember to hold down command and shift and alt and then four or three or whatever it is i kind of remember now 
It was awful. Right. Well, I'm glad you got that off your chest. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but what can you do with the new screenshot tools? Anything of significance? Well, one of the cool things is you can do video screenshots. So that was really cool. So essentially you set up your screenshot window and then it just makes a small video recording whatever it sees and then you can insert that in. But it's also just given a much more simple interface that you just bring up and you click, I want to take a screenshot. And so does it keep recording video until you stop? Yes. So this is a very big deal then because this is the equivalent to the iOS screen recording feature that we got in iOS 11. And hopefully you're sort of going ding, ding, ding like me on this one, Janet, because what it means is that if you're working with an app developer and you are trying to demonstrate something that's inaccessible, you can do a screenshot on your Mac, a video screenshot of touring around that app and they can experience what you're experiencing while you're, you know, adding to it. Absolutely, which is, you know, it's a whole lot better than trying to explain to a developer who, who might not have any idea about accessibility or, or anything. This way he can actually, he or she can see it and, you know, and see exactly what's going on. Nice. Continuity and the camera. Um, Heidi, are you wanting something there? Um, the doorbell just went off. Is it okay if I oh, go check? ahead and we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. Okay. Uh, uh, continuity camera. Now, this is a really cool feature. Uh, you take a photo from a presentation, say, uh, or from within a presentation like Keynote, let's say, and you can then just put that photo straight into the Keynote presentation on your Mac. You can use the iPhone camera to scan a document and then uh, you can just dump it into the Mac. So essentially, it's like you've plugged some sort of very high quality external camera into your Mac. This sounds like a re this is what makes Apple shine, right? The whole ecosystem and the way the products work together. And one thing that's very helpful for low vision people is sometimes if they uh, take a picture of a item and then they blow it up on their computer, it's much easier for them to see what it is. And I, I have a friend who her husband regularly takes pictures for her of things that she needs to understand, you know, what they look like. And then she can't really see them in real life, but she can blow them up on her screen and see them fine. So this is a great tool for that. You'll be pleased with this, Janet, right? I mean, this is just such a nice oh, yeah. integration. No, definitely for, for putting together presentations or anything. It, it's it's another you know really nice tool, and like you said, it just fits right in with the ecosystem and continuity. Yeah, and this continuity is what people love so much about working with all the Apple products together. That you could be on a web page on one device and just seamlessly pick up, or working on a document, and so so it's very good. One of the things that was very significant, and Bloomberg has been teasing this. I don't know where Mark Gurman from Bloomberg gets his. Uh, stuff from but he's clearly got a, a source deeply embedded within apple and i'm sure tim would love to know who it is but um, mark gurman was right on the money yet again today when he predicted that apple would announce that they're working towards a system where you can take an ios app and port it to the mac with minimal effort and they've done this themselves as a kind of a test case this year so they've taken apple news and voice memos and stocks and uh, they um, and and the home app, I guess as well. They've ported them all to the Mac using this technology that's sort of just in its early stages at this point, and then they're going to roll it out to all developers next year. So this is um, this is going to be exciting for users of the Mac who may be feeling like they're 
their choice of apps is a little bit sparse compared to what you can get on iOS. Catch up again because you can run Android apps in Chrome. So interesting. Fair comment. Fair comment. Do you, do you think this is exciting, Janet? I think it is exciting, and and you know, hopefully, this will all run smoothly. And when third next year, when third party developers get this ability, that that it will run seamlessly, and there'll be a lot more continuity between the the iOS device and the Mac. And presumably, they will ensure that this is done in an, in an accessible way, um, so that you know, the classes, all those sorts of things, are, are ported in in a way that's accessible. I'm sure that Apple wouldn't have left that out. Um, if you have uh, a, a concern about privacy, as many of us do these days, there's, there was lots of good stuff, some of which also goes over to Safari on iOS as well. But on the Mac, uh, with this new version, Mojave, there's uh, extended permission, so you now get asked if it's okay for an app to use the camera and the mic, and um, also important parts of the file system. Apple is trying to shut down the use of the like and share buttons they were pretty I pointed about <laughs> they were pretty pointed about who they were getting at <laughs> um, to track you so this is the, the, i think this is also looking at the shadow profile thing isn't it that a lot of people have been concerned about where even if you take the time to get the heck off facebook uh, facebook has been building a profile on people based on shadow profiles using things like the like and share button so this is great uh, and they also noted that because of the unique configuration that your device has, you know, apps installed, hardware, different things, it has been possible for many developers or many web sites to fingerprint your machine and target you based on that fingerprint. And now they're cutting down on the type of data that they expose. So this is all very good stuff. Talk us through the redesigned app store, Heidi, uh, now that you're back from the doorbell. Yes. Sorry. Um, your other daughter's boyfriend forgot his guitar. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, I just have to find my slide on it. I had a lot of slides in the Mac section. Uh, doo -doo -doo. The redesigned app. So, so what, what I have here is that it's designed from the ground up. Um, there is a series of new tabs, which include create, work, play, and develop. So I guess you've got a little, bit, a little bit more screen real estate on the Mac to have those tabs and, and very much a Mac focus there. Yeah, and there's also a categories tab and then your usual updates tab. And they also mentioned that Microsoft is bringing Office 365 to the App Store later this year, which is great because I actually train clients who want Office 365 and we have to trolley off and get that big download from the Microsoft site. So this is going to be lovely. They can just make that purchase straight from the App Store, it sounds like they're doubling down. Because Janet, you know, not all developers seem enamored with the, the the App Store, do they? They want to do their own thing and be free of Apple's control. Well, yeah, and Apple does have a lot of control, and their app has to be vetted by Apple. So, yeah, I I, I think you're absolutely right, and I I think Microsoft is is making a very smart move by doing this. You know, text edit is good, Pages is good, but you know, some people just want to use Microsoft products. Or have to. Or have to use Microsoft products. And this will make it a lot easier to obtain it. And it's a good experience on Mac these days. I mean, when I started using a Mac back in 2012, it was just Microsoft Office was useless. And now they've just come such a long way. And it's a pretty nice experience on the Mac. APFS, this is Apple's new file system. 
Oh, I found my slide if you want a description of the App Store. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, Better late than never. Sorry. Um, so they've moved all the tabs. They used to be at a bar at the top. They're now on a sidebar. And essentially it's just a big version of the App Store. So it's very simplistic icons, um, stories like they do on that, you know, the stories they've got on the App Store every day. And then like your regular top paid and top free sort of sections and things like that. So it's similar to what they had before, but much more streamlined. Okay. And uh, there'll probably be a bunch of shortcut command keys that let you jump between those sections in, in typical Mac fashion. And I think they were there in the old App Store app as well, that you could use Command 1, Command 2 to to jump to different sections. Oh, yeah, to jump to, to the different buttons to pick your category. Or, right, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sure there'll be something you know similar that'll be easy to navigate. For sure. They uh, also said that they were adding a review API so you could review your mac apps like you can review your ios apps yes i wasn't actually conscious that that wasn't there before so that's interesting that that's 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 being added so i think before you had to go specifically to the page in the mac app store to oh, review I see. it whereas now you can review it from the app oh i understand okay all right so that's that's good apple's new file system apfs it didn't used to work on fusion drives and mechanical hard drives and now it does so that's just a little thing but if you've got one of those macs you'll really appreciate being able to upgrade to the supposedly more efficient uh, file system um, so those are the notes that i had um, just overall janet how are you feeling about the new mac os uh, uh, underwhelming or um yeah you... I, I i was I, i'd say underwhelmed is um is the right word it feels to me like there's less stuff than even even last year. I, I you know I can't wait for for everything to come out and see. But yeah, I was I was definitely underwhelmed. That's not to say that I'm not going to keep using my Mac. I love my Mac. Um, I have a Touch Bar Mac with a butterfly keyboard, and it it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I, knocking I, on the wood for you, mate. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I love having voiceover and, and being able to, to have that continuity between devices. So, you know, I'm looking to see how this all washes out in October and, and see what, what's going to happen in the future as far as Mac um, accessibility and, and also new Mac features. They didn't, oh, really, they didn't really mention the HomePod much today. Not at all. They had one picture of it. Yeah. Showing it? that the um, Siri... Yes, I presume the Siri shortcuts and things yeah, will benefit HomePod, but I mean it was it was it was fascinating. And the other question I have, I understand that they wanted to make it exclusively software. So, and I quite liked that. I I thought having the focus on software gave them time to really tease out what was in the new software builds. But I do have a question for Mr. Cook and Co. Where on earth is that charge home? What's it called? Um, power Air Power. Air where, power? where was it? It was announced back That's in September. Yeah. <laughs> And it's still not here. It's very strange. Um, so I wonder where AirPower was. And of course, it, now it remains to be seen. We've got to download the betas and, um, and and check out all the cool accessibility goodies. But as we wrap up... Um, uh, would, sorry, would you like the list of things for the Mac, like the slide of changes they've made that they don't read out? Please do. Yeah, give okay. us the yes. scoop, mate. Um, answer, fa answer with FaceTime audio. It doesn't say what. Um App recents in dock, international keyboard improvements, security code autofill, mail emoji picker, 
mail suggested suggested folders, font collections, automatic strong passwords, faster CSS selectors, improved hard drive performance, favicons in Safari tabs, mm. new login window, new save panel, new open panel, UI language parity, W3C web driver, improved CSS color support, Apple file system for fusion drives and hard drives, faster wake from sleep. That's good. Password reuse auditing in Safari. Oh dear. They're going to nag you if you keep using the same password. <laughs> Automator shortcuts in touch bar and open type CVG fonts. Right. Isn't it interesting that even on those slides, there's nothing about accessibility this year? Yeah. Like w- W3C? Oh, well, I suppose, yeah, but they they cover quite a wide range. I mean, I guess I guess you might be able to pass that off as an accessibility thing. Um, but, yeah, yeah no, no voiceover or anything like that. But I, yeah. I'll be interested to see what, what they have in store for us when we download it. Um, do you, any final closing thoughts? Can I, we'll go around again. Um, Janet, your final thoughts on the day? Um, my final thoughts are uh, some of the things that, that are coming out look very interesting. Um, I was hoping for more on the Mac, to be honest. And um, I think that Apple will do a very, very good job on accessibility. They have in the past. But, you know, it's it's always a concern, period. It, it's, you know, it, it's very, very frustrating when you're trying to do something and somebody cited comes along and goes, well, here's why you can't do it. There's a graphic right there or whatever. But, you know, I've been use, using Apple products exclusively for years. I'm sure they're going to do their best with these and um, I'll be interested to get all the new software and see what happens. And how about you, Debbie? I know you have a real focus on productivity and, and creation and stuff. We don't really have any answers on whether there's been progress on that, do we? Yes. Not really, but I've got a couple other things here from my notes. Uh, they mentioned something called metal, which is GPU acceleration. And, you know, this ties everything together because if it's software, they're really working on speeding up the GPU. It helps all of us because it improves accessibility because the screen reader itself is going to slow down things a little bit as it continues to build its model of what's on screen. And so if they're improving the overall speed of the system, it's always going to improve productivity for us, even if it looks to you like it might just be improvements in graphics. It's, it's going to trickle down to us. So uh, I think that overall they're going to be fixing a lot of bugs. And, of course, Apple is very uh, positive in these things. They don't talk about bugs that are going to be getting fixed. But with all that getting into the code and changing things, they're going to be fixing stuff. They're going to be adding new bugs, too. So I would encourage users to not give up. You know, when they get their first iOS 12, they're going to be all disappointed. The social networks are going to be ringing with people complaining <laughs> about bugs. But you wait a little while, and a lot of them are going to get ironed out. And don't try to do it all in a day. You know, take do a little at a time and, you know, then come back. Also, there was that sneak peek of their multi-year plan, and I thought that looked very promising. So we'll just keep watching. And report the bugs. That's the key thing. I mean, I know people can get a bit disillusioned, but one thing that we know for sure, if you don't report them, they can't be fixed if if Apple doesn't know they exist. So uh, it's a pretty simple process now through the betas to report them. All right. And uh, final thoughts from you, Heidi Taylor, formerly known as Heidi Moser. (laughs) Um, 
I guess I was most interested in what would come to iOS and definitely the Siri stuff's really interested me, so I'm quite happy with that. Um, I don't really care about all the Animoji stuff, though. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, I can't use it right now. Um, But yeah, I think there were definitely some good things in this, in the presentation today. Excellent. Well, you have all provided such great insight, and I appreciate you uh, taking so much of your time to go through what was actually, when you go through it, there's a lot here. And um, so we've gone through it and dissected it, looked at it from an accessibility point of view. And of course, thank you, Heidi, especially for cluing us in on so many of the visuals that we didn't have access to. Oh, you're very so welcome. It's been great. And we, if you have any feedback on all of these changes, you'd like to tell us what you'd like to see. Remember, you can leave us some feedback for the next episode. And you can do that by sending an email to theblindside at mosin.org. That's theblindside, all joined together at mosin.org. Or you can call the feedback line on 719-270-5114. That's 719-270-5114. And we will play a selection of them next week. Thank you all very much for your wonderful assistance. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Blind Side, a production of Mosin Consulting. On the web at mosin.org.